Hey, what's up? This is Elijah Beers, the Associate Youth Pastor of Impact Youth Ministries. Welcome to the Impact Podcast. We pray that this message will help you to live God's Word, love like Jesus, and be led by the Holy Spirit every single day. Let's go ahead and get into this week's sermon. So the Bible is, is full of stories, if you will, and these are historical accounts. These aren't just made-up stories that Moses or Father Abraham wrote about. These aren't just things that people wrote about to, to, help, uh, to help paint a picture of who God is. These are actual historical accounts with historical evidence of things that actually happened in the Bible. And you'll realize that some of the greatest men or women in the Bible that we read about, that we hear about, that we talk about, that these men were, for the most part, ordinary men, ordinary women, living their life, doing their own thing, uh, until one day God showed up on the scene and charged them to do something and asked them to do something. You see, most of them, at some point or another, had an interruption of the Spirit of God in their life. And, And what happened next is what most of the Bible is written about. I'll give you an example. Father Abraham, he was living in the the land of Ur, of Chaldee. He was with his his family. He was living among the Chaldeans, and, and God spoke to him and said, Abraham, get out of this land. Go to a place that I'll tell you, and if you do this thing that I'll tell you, I'll make you a father of many nations. At that point, God entered into, as Brother Caleb shared with us last week, God entered into a covenant agreement agreement with Abraham and said, if you do what I ask you to do, what happens next will determine whether or not you get the thing that I have planned for you. You see, oftentimes God comes to you as young people and God asks you to do something. He asks you to live boldly. He asks you to share your faith. He asks you to witness. He asks you to take the talent or the skill, whether it be singing, whether it be speaking, whether it be interpretive dance, whatever it is that God has given you, God asks you to do something. Jesus told a parable of talents of how one day you and I will be judged with what we do with the talents that the Lord gave us. But Abraham entered into a covenant and he had an opportunity that I'm going to obey God or I'm going to disobey God. I'm going to hear the word of the Lord and I'm going to make a conscious decision Take that word, apply it to my life, and trust God that although I don't see the end of the journey now, I'm going to trust God in the journey that through the process of getting where God wants me to go, God's going to bless me. And I wonder how many other people God might have went to before he went to Abraham. Have you ever thought about that? I wonder, I don't know the answer to that question. We'll ask the Lord when we get there. At least I will because it's on my list of things I'm going to ask the Lord when I get to heaven. And none of them I'm going to actually remember to ask him because I'm going to be so so taken by the all and the splendor of the Lord. But right now I have questions. And I wonder, was Abraham God's first stop? Did God go to maybe a different guy? Did God go to a different person, but yet they refused? God wanted to make a holy nation. God wanted to make you peculiar people. God wanted to enter into covenant. And I wonder how many people God went to before Abraham finally obeyed God. Maybe Abraham was the first. I don't know. Maybe he was the second. Maybe he was the 50th. But the point I'm saying is whether it was Abraham as one individual or whether it was multiple people, they all had an encounter with the Lord. 
And what they did next with that encounter with the Lord determined their future. What they did next with the, with the, the word of the Lord uh, determined their future. I want to let you know, sitting under the sound of my voice, you are all hearing the same charge from God. You are all hearing the word of the Lord. And what you do next is of utmost importance. I wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hadn't, hadn't chose to resist the king of that time. And what if they had just bowed down with the rest of them? Do you think they would have written the story about somebody else? You see, we read in our Bible and all these Bible characters and, and people we read about, we think, man, these are staples in the Christian faith. These are people we learn about in Bible school. These are people we learn about in Sunday school. We learn about in, in little kids' church all the way up to adulthood. We hear about them, but I wonder, would the Bible be written about different people? The, the reason these individuals are in the history book, the reason these individuals are staples of the faith, the reason we talk about these people isn't because of the people as much as it is the God and the people who chose to obey the God. You don't find stories in the Bible of ordinary people who did ordinary things. In fact, you could open up your history book and you won't read about ordinary people doing ordinary things. You read about people who did, who did excellent things, people who did uh, supernatural things, people who did unordinary things, people who resisted the norm, who pushed against the current, who, ch who changed the social norms, people who heard from God and decided they would obey God. At one point or another, you'll experience something from the Lord and what happens next is of great importance in your life. Nothing articulates this more than the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Moses in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says, Now Moses, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now this is Moses who was born into a Hebrew home, but because, he was, because his mother was scared for his life, basically put him in a, in a basket, a reed, a basket of reeds, and floated him down the river. And Moses grew up educated in Pharaoh's home. But later on in his life, you find that Moses, after having stood up for the people of God, fled, and he went to the desert. And for 40 years, Moses lived his life uninterrupted. For 40 years after having left the, the comfort of Pharaoh's palace. For 40 years, he's in the backside of the desert. He's tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And one day, in the middle of tending that flock, an angel of the Lord, God himself, appeared unto Moses out of the midst of a bush. And the bush was burning, the Bible says, but yet it was not consumed. And at that moment, Moses had a choice. At that moment, Moses had to make a decision I've had this experience that God called to me. Out of the midst of this bush, God spoke my name. God told me he's got a plan for me. He's told me he's got a purpose for me. In my isolation, in my separation, in my discomfort when I'm all alone and nobody's there encouraging me and nobody's there rooting me on and nobody's patting me on the back and telling me how good of a Christian teenager I am. In my loneliness, in my separation, in my isolation, when I had my own plan, when I had my own agenda, I'm sitting here figuring out how I'm going to grow Jethro's flock so I can make it bigger for the next 
generation, how I'm going to align my life. I'm planning my future. But then all of a sudden, God shows up and he speaks my name. I wonder how many have made plans, have set the agenda of their life, have decided the career they're going to have, the college they're going to go to, the boy they're going to marry, how many kids they're going to have, the design of their home. They've got their plans. They've got their agenda, and there's no problem with planning and having a future and having something to look forward to. But will you allow the interruption of the Holy Spirit of God in your life? Because God spoke and said, Moses, Moses. And he would have kept saying, Moses, Moses. But at some point, I wonder if God would have left Moses and went and burned on Ethan's bush. And said, Ethan, Ethan. And if Ethan doesn't listen, maybe God would go to Morgan and say, Morgan, Morgan. God's got something he wants to do, friend, but he needs to do it through somebody. That's through you and I. And if he can't find a man to do it, he'll tap on the shoulder of a donkey and say, donkey, speak up. That's the story of Balaam in the Bible. And if he can't find a donkey to do it, the Bible says he'll command the mountains to give him praise. But God's calling. God's interrupting your teenage life tonight. God's calling you to a higher place. A higher standard of living. Notice what Moses said in verse number five. God called unto him in the midst of the bush that was burning. He said, Moses, Moses. And what did Moses say? Here I am. The greatest thing you can do out of God is when God comes to you in your teenage life and your Christian walk and your experience to God and he taps on your shoulder and calls your name, say, here am I. God went to that virgin girl by the name of Mary and said, you're going to bear a son. And she said, you've asked a hard thing, but be it unto me according to thy will. The greatest thing you could say to God is yes. But notice what happened. If you go to verse 6. I believe it says, verse 6. Verse 3, it says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside. Notice this thought process that's going on in Moses' mind in verse 3. He said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Look what it says in verse number 4. And so when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, he called unto him. It wasn't until God observed that Moses was willing to turn aside from that plan that he had, that Moses was willing to turn aside from his agenda, was willing to turn aside from his normal teenage life, that God spoke to him. For those of you who are here tonight and you say, I pray all the time, Pastor Tab, but I never hear the Lord. I ask God, and I, I, I don't hear the voice of God. I hear these preachers talk about, and my peers and my teachers and other people talk about how God spoke to them. But God, I don't hear your voice. I don't hear the voice of the Lord. Notice the recipe that Moses gave when the Lord saw that he turned aside. That's when God spoke. God's calling you young people. But are you going to turn aside from the popularity contest long enough to say, here I am? Are you going to turn aside long enough in the backbiting? Are you, going to, are you going to step away from the reels long enough to let the Lord speak to you? Are you going to be willing to separate yourself from TikTok long enough to say, God, here I am. 
And when God sees that effort, when God saw the effort in Moses, that Moses was reeling to set aside what he was doing, to acknowledge that God had came to interject and interrupt his life. Will you get to a point when you realize you're here tonight, and that, that, t- t- that tells me that you understand that God wants to do something in your life. You wouldn't have wasted your time to be here tonight. But since you're here tonight, you're telling me that you acknowledge that the Lord is trying to interrupt your life, that the Lord is trying to get in the middle, in the center of your life. Will you acknowledge it and say, here am I? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let me read it. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing unto God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. There's a judgment coming one day, friend. And that judgment will weigh what you've done with your life, whether good or whether bad. We talk about how what's done in secret will be revealed openly. That does not necessarily mean that your failures and sins will be revealed for others to see so people can mock and make fun of you. But it's to tell you that what's going to happen on that day of judgment is going to be between you and God and no one else. The Bible tells us in Mark 22, Mark chapter 4, verse 22, and Romans chapter 2, verse 16, that we will be judged, that our secret acts will be judged. In Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says our character will be judged. In Matthew chapter 12, it says our words will be judged. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8, it says our deeds will be judged. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, your attitude will be judged. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, your motives will be judged. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, your lack of love for your fellow brother and sister will be judged. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, our work and our service to God will be judged. We all the time run around and say, well, don't judge me. You're not the judge. God is the judge. Remember that God is the judge. Because of this, the enemy comes and he works overtime in our minds to wage war in our minds. There's a spiritual warfare that leads many to think the reason why they feel like they can't be effective for God. For generations, this lie has been going on that the enemy has convinced young people after young people after young people that they have to belong to a certain family. He has convinced you that your grandpa has to be a preacher or your uncle has to be a prophet or your grandma has to be on the worship team. He's convinced you, some of you, that because you don't have a spiritual pedigree that you can't be used by God. He's convinced some of you because of what your last name is that God is going to choose somebody else with a different last name. And so we begin to make excuses why we can't be used for God because she sings just a little bit better for me or he preaches just a little bit better for me or how about this excuse we use for God? It's just not my personality. 
It's just not my personality to be bold. It's just not my personality to be brave. It's just not my personality to stand up and declare the name of God. Listen, that is why we take on the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why they pray to God in the book of Acts, Lord, grant unto your servants great boldness that we may speak your word without remorse, without fear, without any compromise. God, give us the boldness of the Holy Spirit. But we're all going to have our burning bush experience at some point. But I want to point out a few things that Moses said. If you look in chapter 3, verse 11, the first thing that Moses said is he began to make excuses. In chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Moses said these following words. He says, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should do this thing that you've called me to do? You see, Moses I'm going to go over five excuses with you tonight that I feel are common in this generation. The first thing that Moses said in chapter 3, verse 11, he said, who am I? Who am I? You see, Moses struggled with his identity in God. He felt unqualified. He thought that God had somehow messed up and made a mistake. But can I tell you tonight that God doesn't make mistakes? God didn't make a mistake when he saved you. God didn't make a mistake when he gave you that talent. God didn't make a mistake when he gave you that ability. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't live through remorse. God established a thing before the foundations of the world ever began. And who are we to question who we are in God? He said, who am I? The problem with Moses is he was looking at himself versus at God. Who am I that I should do this thing? That's the wrong question to be asking because it doesn't matter who you are because my Bible tells me the greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. It doesn't matter my inadequacies. It doesn't matter my insufficiencies. It doesn't matter what I feel about myself. It doesn't matter who my mama was. It doesn't matter who my grandpa was. It doesn't matter the molestation I went through as a child. It doesn't matter that I was hospitalized and put in the emergency room through abuse. That doesn't matter because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you look at my resume, I am unqualified for the call. If you look at my background, I am insufficient for the task. But there is something on the deep down on the inside of me, and that is the great I am. And so God corrected Moses and says it's not about who you are. It's not about who you are. It's about who's on the inside of you. You see, Mordecai told Esther that she had been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this, young people, you've been called to God's kingdom for right now. For right now. Don't make excuses like Esther did. Who am I that I should go to the king and advocate for the people of God? Who am I that I should do this? And Mordecai had to say, honey, you've been called for right now. Young lady, hear me out. Young man, hear me out. You've been called for such a time as this. You are in the middle of that school. You are in the middle of that cesspool of godless propaganda where God is being publicly mocked and reviled. You are into that reason for such a time as this. You are in the middle of that school. You are at that place of employment. God put you in the middle of your in the middle of that mess for such a time as this. Stand up, be bold, be brave because it doesn't matter who you are. We need a revelation of who we are in Christ instead of struggling with this identity crisis that we have. The life which I now live, the Bible says, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God who saved me and gave his life for me. Listen to the second excuse that Moses gave the Lord in verse 13. Who are you? Who should I say sent me then? You said it doesn't matter who I am because you're going to be with me. Okay, that great. That doesn't give me any comfort because I don't know who you are. Who are you? Moses struggled with knowledge of who God was. Young people, you must know him. Paul said, I saved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Being conformable even unto the death of the cross. We must have a desire to get to know God. You will never enter into a relationship that has any realm of effectiveness if you aren't willing to get to know the person you are entering into a relationship with God. How many people under the sound of my voice have grown up in this great house, heard the preaching of the gospel, heard and seen the moving of the spirit, but you don't know God for yourself You only know him through your pastor. You only know him through your mother. You only know him through your bestie. Friend, you must know him for yourself. We can't live off of somebody else's experience. We can't live off of secondhand smoke. We've got to have the fire for ourselves. How many people think they're going to make it to heaven and do something for God, riding somebody else's coattail friend? That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Moses lacked knowledge of God. How could he speak of a God that he did not know? And you don't want to know what God said to him? He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the light bulb went on for Moses. Moses didn't know God. But you see, when he grew up in Pharaoh's house, he had a nurse that was a Hebrew woman. And as she raised him and she nursed him and as she, as she trained him as a young boy, she told him stories about her people. His people. She told him stories about Father Abraham and his many sons. He told the story about Jacob. He told the story about Isaac. And told the story about all of these men of God. And because Moses knew those people through the stories that he had heard, when God said, I am their God, God, Moses knew and identified that God immediately. It makes me wonder if God were to show up in your school and say, I'm the God of B. I'm the God of Cohen. I'm the God of Chase. Would your friends know this God? What would they know of your God if God introduced himself as your God? What would the world know of your God if, if he introduced himself as the God of your life? Does your life paint an accurate picture of your God? You see, we have to understand the importance of knowing God. Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I might know him. You must get the same desire to know God. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, ask and it will be answered. Seek and you will find. Young people, you will find that thing that you seek. Look up here. You will find that thing that you seek. That's the word of God. Matthew chapter 7. You will find the thing that you seek. If you're living your life as a teenager under the sound of my voice, claiming to be a follower of God, and you haven't found the Lord, friend, it's not because he's hiding. It's because you're not seeking. God's not hiding himself. He's looking to hide you in himself. 
He said, who are you, God? Don't be surprised when you find destruction in your life when that's all you've sought. Don't be surprised at the end of your life when you know all of the greatest gadgets and gizmos and I want to sing Little Mermaid right now <laughs> because I'm a girl dad and it just resonated with me when I said gadgets and gizmos are plenty. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Listen to this. This is Paul writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. He says, and for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's what God wants for you. That you may speak boldly as you ought to speak. Not through this excuse that what if they don't listen to me. So to summarize so, so far, the first excuse Moses gave to God when God called him was God, who am I? He struggled with his identity and who we are in God. We must know who we are in God. And it's greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Number two, Moses said, who are you? Who should I say sent me? And God identified himself. And we must get to know God. We must have a knowledge of God if we are to give an account for him. And the third thing that Moses said is, what if they don't listen? We cannot be intimidated or be fearful of the reactions of other people. We must speak the word of God boldly. Number four, in verse 10 of chapter 4, Moses pulls out the stops. He goes, I've never been a good speaker. I don't have what it takes to do this. Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. I can't do this. Moses worried about his inadequacies. He began to worry about what he had or didn't have. Versus what he had to give to the Lord. You think God's not aware of who you are when he called you? You've heard the phrase and it sounds cliche at this point. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Twelve ordinary stinky fishermen turn the world upside down. You think if you're the Messiah and you're going to come revolutionize the world, you would find some spiritual elites. You would go to the synagogues. You would go to the church. You would go find the, find the kids who grew up in church, and, and, you, and you think you would do something with some church people and get some spiritual people, some people who at least know the Bible and understand the Word. But he goes to the Sea of Galilee, and he calls 12 ordinary men. And with these men, the Bible says he turned the world upside down. God doesn't do a background check on you before he calls you. He's not surprised by your failures and your faults. He's not caught off guard by the sin of yesterday. He's not caught off guard by the choices you made in yesteryears and the mistakes of those things. God's not intimidated by your failure. God's not intimidated by your sin. In fact, he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The very fact that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the grace and the glory of God. So many times we fall short of speaking boldly for God because we feel insufficient for the task. Insufficient. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. In our weakness, the Bible says, he is made strong. The final excuse that Moses gave to God in chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 13. God, I know you can find someone else, basically, is what he said. Surely, God, 
Oh, my Lord, I send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who you will send. God, that's a really fancy way of saying, send someone else. Don't make me do this, God. Don't make me do this thing. Don't make me step out of my comfort zone. Why? Because he felt inferior. Moses had spent his time comparing himself to everybody else and decided he came up short. One of the greatest mistakes, young people, you can do as a child of God trying to serve the Lord is compare your praise to somebody else's. Compare how much Bible you know to somebody else. Compare your family to their family. Compare your walk to their walk. Compare where you are with God to where somebody else is with God. That's what the enemy wants you to do. That's the entire premise of social media, right? You see all these luxurious lives and these people living their best life now, and the enemy sucks you into that habit of comparing your life to their life. And if you're not careful after about 20 minutes of being on Instagram or TikTok, you start feeling terrible about yourself. You start saying, man, I wish I had that, versus saying, God, I thank you for what I have. You start saying, man, I want that. If I could just have that, if I could just be like that, if I could just go there, man, I, if, I, if I was like them, that would be wonderful. Listen, God understands who you are and where you are, but you cannot walk around your entire Christian life with an inferiority complex because the enemy will sideline you if all you do is spend your entire walk with the Lord comparing yourself to other Christians and deciding you come up short. God chooses the unlikely people from unlikely places. Moses said, let someone else do it. Maybe you've made that excuse to the Lord. I'm not going to testify because think of the students who always testify. I'm not going to testify because Allie, she'll do it. Just let Allie do it. I'm not going to testify. Caleb, he'll stand up. He'll speak. If Jonah were here, we'd say, oh, I'm not going to testify. Jonah will do it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will speak boldly. You start comparing yourself to everybody else. Everybody else. Everybody else. And what, what ends up happening is you sit there waiting for somebody else to do it. But God's not waiting on somebody else. He's waiting on you. God's waiting for you to step out. God's waiting for you to say what Moses said. Here I am, God. Whatever it is, use me. Thank you for listening to the Impact Podcast. We hope that it blessed you as much as it blessed us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at ImpactYM. We love you. We hope you have a great rest of your day.